is it's oh my goodness. Hello and welcome to the coffee celebration. I'm your host, Wendy Steinberg, and today my guest is Jessica Lemon. Is is that how it is? Lemon. Lemon. Mm-hmm. Just okay. like the fruit. <laughs> okay. Um I, I'm reading this big introduction because it's lovely. Um, Jessica Lemon's romance novels have been praised as really delicious, fun, and lavish indulgence-fueled romance by Publishers Weekly, as well as wonderfully entertaining and a whole lot of fun by RT Book Reviews. She's a best-selling author of over 40 books that have been translated into dozen into a dozen languages and sold in over 30 different countries worldwide with her debut novel releasing in January of 2013. Wow. So within 10 years. Yeah, 10 years. It's been a decade. So have you always wanted to be a a writer? Um, I've always loved to write, but I also am a cartoonist, so I always love to draw. So um, I think it was going to be one of those two things, but writing seemed really impractical and so did art. <laughs> so, so I had a lot of jobs for a while. Sure. <laughs> Nobody can make any, any money doing anything creative, right? That's the belief. So. So then what was that turning point when you just decided to start writing? Well, I always wrote something, poetry, short stories. I never finished anything, but um, I definitely started a lot of things. I read a ton Uh, But I exclusively read horror books. I read Stephen King. I read Dean Koontz. I was a very late bloomer in the romance world. Most romance readers start reading their mom's books when they're like 12. My first romance novel I read when I was 21. And I read it reluctantly (laughs) because I was visiting my grandmother who lived in Florida. And she had Harlequin romances like by the grocery bag. You know what I'm talking about, right? And I was visiting and I had finished both novels that I brought with me that were my Dean Koontz and Stephen King novels or whatever they were at the time. And she said, read one of these, you'll like it. And I was like, oh God, I'm going to read one of these books. These are old lady books, blah, blah, blah. And I dug out a romantic suspense and I really enjoyed it. And then she sent me home with that grocery bag of books (laughs) and I read (laughs) for the next 10 years <laughs> so amazing um so this is the I've read two out of the what will be the seven book series right um which ones okay. did you read and I'll tell you okay. um eye candy and arm candy oh okay it's five five books oh, five five books okay. five yeah so, so you yeah. so when you so the one today that's being released is Rumor Had It, right? Man Candy released today. Oh, Man Candy. Man oh, Candy okay. released today, yes. Right, I did write that. That's lovely, I can read. Um, when, <laughs> when you're planning a series like this, how do you map it out? Do you just start with one and leave it open at the ending to create something else later on? That's a great question. So these books were actually originally sold to Penguin Random House, and I have recently recouped my rights from them and they're actually re-releasing. So at the time that I came up with the idea for eye candy, um, and I can tell that 
origin story if you want me to. Um, I envisioned it as one book. There was one book um, about these friends who worked together. They were both divorced. They're both off limits. There was a light love triangle in there. And when writing a book about a couple, you need them to have friends to bounce things off of. And Mm -hmm. so I gave the hero Vince Davis and then Davis hit the page running. As soon as I put him on the page, I was like, how am I not going to write a book about Davis and the bartender? Right. And grace, they were just so intriguing to me. And I wanted, I really, really wanted to do it. So we ended up um, turning that book into two and the publisher was like, well, how about three? And then later on the other two were added. So it sort of grew like very organically. (laughs) So So you didn't like have everything mapped out. Oh no. No. Okay. So I have a question about that. When I'm reading the book and it's going between um, either Jackie and Vince or Grace and Davis, like how do you get inside the male head? Because I'm like, I could see that. I could see a man saying that. Yeah. I I mean, I don't know. How did you do that? That's a good question. I think I'm, um, I've always hung around with, the guys like it's uh, me and my brother you know so whenever we go to visit dads my parents are divorced whenever we go to visit dad it was me and two boys <laughs> whenever my friends would come around and they would talk mom stuff and school stuff I don't have any kids so I would be in the other room watching football with the boys you know what I mean I was always like a girl who had a beer in my hand I mean not always I don't want to sound like that <laughs> you know what I mean I had a beer yeah. in my hand I could hang out at a bar I was like I was have hung around a lot of guys and my husband and I have had a lot of couple friends where I've grown very close to our guy friends. You know, they're like, um, they're like brothers. And so I think just organically kind of, you know, listening to what they say, how they say things, that's how I write them. Of course you have to, um, put the female perspective in there a little bit because men really do there's they're simple creatures and we like them complicated in romance novels right right, right. Absolutely. they're so much simpler than we make them and in the in the books that I've read um they are the way you were you visualize what they look like um they look pretty delicious like if I were yeah. to yeah and the women too are pretty amazing um, is how do you decide how you're going to make them look if, you know, in writing, because yeah. I just wonder that I sometimes will start on Pinterest. Um, I have boards on Pinterest that are saved, you know, with just mm-hmm. attractive male models or somebody that has a certain look about him. Other times it'll just be, um, a, a real like obsession that I have personally with a celebrity, <laughs> you know, that I want to just like, Oh, I've got to put him in a book. I've got to put him in a I, book. because absolutely. I'm, I'm so intrigued. So usually one of those two ways. And with the women also, that's what you do. You just try and cause they're, they're, they're thin, right? Like they're mm-hmm. like just gorgeous and he's gorgeous and, I know it's fiction, but I'm just like, oh, that seems. You know, 
I know. And I was thinking about this the other day. It's so interesting you brought it up because I was like, you know, we really do sort of like, especially us old school romance readers, we really do like to write these like perfect specimen people. And I was like, why is that so intriguing? And I honestly think the answer is because there's something messed up about them in another way. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Now, have, have I written a hero that's like bemoaned the size of her backside? Yes. You know, have I written a hero who was an amputee? Yes. I've written like physically diverse, like, um, people that are built differently. Even my tall, I, I wrote a tall model-esque woman and she was really upset about how small her breasts were. So I feel like we all hate something about our bodies or struggle with something about our bodies, but, but yeah, it's, um, I mean, it's the fantasy romance is the fantasy. So, so, um, I was going to ask, is anything like been based off of real life experiences, um, in, in your books, have they have the, I guess, the problem or the conflict has that been yeah anything? definitely um in a very small way my debut book tempting the billionaire began because i um didn't have my wedding ring on i'm not wearing it i hardly ever wear it anymore it's so funny but this was years and years ago i didn't have my wedding ring on and i was kept doing this like oh i've got to get my and i kept forgetting to go yeah. to the box and get it out and i was like i wonder how long after your divorce it would take you to stop fidgeting with that diamond ring on your finger and then i just had this idea about a woman who was at a bar who was crying after her recent divorce, who didn't have a ring on her finger and the billionaire who saw her from across the room. Um, so that was one just very random teeny little thing. Yeah. Um, in the book you read in eye candy, it's a bit of a bigger story. So we were vacationing my husband and I with, um, four other couples. I think there was a big group of us. We got a huge B and B, and went to Nashville. So we were in this, um, bar and we had just, I mean, it was like in the middle of the summer, it was really hot and we bellied up, we ordered our cocktails. And my husband said, um, on the count of three, I want you to turn over your shoulder and look out this window. There's like all these windows on the side of this restaurant and look at this guy running. And in my head, I'm thinking, is he wearing knee socks? Does he look silly? whatever. So I counted to three and I turned my head and the guy running down the sidewalk was built like a Marine. He had no shirt on. He had these little red shorts and all of him was just moving like a machine. Hair was bouncing. It was tan. And I watched him (laughs) run by every window in that restaurant. And then I turned around and looked at my husband like, and he said, um, you're welcome for your next story idea. Right. Because he was being so cheeky. Yeah. So we had our evening with our friends and, you know, and I ended up going to bed and waking up around four in the morning with, because all day when we were out doing, you know, when I was supposed to be socializing in my brain, I was going, who's watching him run? Who's watching him run? <laughs> Who is it? That's what right. is she like? And, uh, at four in the morning, it all kind of gelled. And then when I really started writing it, did I realize that he was not the love interest that the guy who worked with her was the love interest of the story. So it just sort of bloomed out of this really magical moment. And and whenever somebody asks, where do your ideas come from? I always tell that story because it's the 
most direct, easy answer. It's like, right. You know, I got home from that vacation. I called my agent and I said, I have an idea for a book. And she said, I knew you couldn't take a vacation (laughs) getting an idea for a book. Oh my gosh. And in that book, when they call him jaundice, right? Hysterical. As he's running, oh, everyone in the company's drooling and it doesn't turn out to be um, what she imagined. No. You know, he was, he wasn't necessarily dating just her, but other people. And um, she was really done with that. You know, she had been there. Yeah. 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 So do you have to create a problem or a conflict in your books for it to, you know, find that momentum? Is that? I mean, every romantic couple needs a a main conflict so that they don't just get married in chapter two, because if everything's perfect and nobody has any qualms about anything, why are they apart? So yeah, specifically with eye candy, you know, the question was, well, if these two are such great friends and hang out every weekend together, then why haven't they already pursued this? And the answer was just timing, right? Like, he was going through this horrible divorce. She was still married. And then when she was divorced, he was kind of already off limits and they had already established a friendship. Plus they worked together. So that would be frowned upon. And with, um, arm candy, you know, Davis and grace, it was Davis had a really tragic relationship before in the past. And grace was exactly the wrong, the wrong woman for him to like. So He's not blonde. Let's just say that. She's not blonde. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. But I love it. She's feisty. She has red hair. Um, she says what she wants. I love Grace so much. Yeah. yeah. I relate to Grace a lot, I think. So um, uh, I like how you kind of, let me see. Um, let me go to this one. You also have other series that you've written like the texas cattlemen's club lost boys and blue collar billionaires Mm -hmm. and i've looked at the covers and then i realized i've had three kids but i think i'm missing out on something like the the actual scenes that you create the romance scenes how do you do that because (laughs) i mean I just don't know. Sometimes I'm blushing reading a book. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I'm really interested in this because I don't know. So so you're asking specifically, like, how do I write sex scenes without, like, worrying my mom might read them or something? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Um, It was a worry. It was. As a matter of fact, you could probably read my debut model, my debut book and see that that is not the model I used for later books because it, I was so timid about writing too much. I mean, there was still swearing and there was still sex. It's not fade to black. You do get to go into the bedroom with the couple. And uh, after that first series, I sort of gradually kept upping my heat a little bit, not because it was required, just I was curious, can I push this envelope? Can I push this one? What I liked to read in romance was... Um, a little more heat. And then I wrote a book called uh, bringing the bat, bringing home the bad boy. And in that movie, I wrote a widower whose wife had passed away and 
he starts a relationship with his late wife's best friend. And in that book, and that character had been teased the whole, you know, teased through the whole series. In other words, he'd popped in, popped in, you saw him here and there, and you knew a bit about him. You knew that he was struggling. He's a little sad and um, brokenhearted and has a three-year-old boy he's trying to take care of. And by the time I got to those romance scenes to those sex scenes where she had such deep love for his late wife he had such deep love for his late wife they're both grieving at that point I was like it seemed to me like the delivery on the sex scene should meet where that grief was if that makes any sense like I didn't want to give you all this grief and all this darkness and all this depth and then not deliver on the really really good stuff so I wrote a scene (laughs) everybody calls it the finger painting scene so I wrote a finger painting scene because Evan is an artist and as I was writing this incredibly hot scene which pushed a lot of envelopes for me too I remember thinking there's no way I'm going to leave this in, but I'm drafting. So I'm just going to write it. Right. And I feel like once I turned it into the editor, the editor was like, oh my God, this is it. We're bringing all of this up to the same level. It's perfect. And then I realized that book would have fallen really flat without it. So then it became the glue that I was starting to understand how if I'm going to make you feel anything, it's got to be a 10 everywhere. <laughs> If I'm going to break your heart, I need to heal it. That kind of thing. So where did, okay. Cause um, I know you have other series and I'm dying to read them. Um, But like, where do you get the ideas of what they're doing with each other? Mm -hmm. Um, Like, I mean, I think it's just, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm I'm just blush again. No, go ahead. (laughs) Um, I think it's, honestly dependent on the characters. So I flesh out the characters a lot. You know, if I have, you know, one billionaire that is, uh, like in, um, in billionaire bad boys, I have the first brother is like all business and he's very gruff and he proposes to the heroine simply to gain CEO of his company for looks, you know, for the, yeah. with the board. And then I've got another brother who's like the laid back guy who everybody thinks like, you know, he's got long hair. He hardly ever dresses up for, you know, the office and everybody thinks he's kind of like a joke. And then I've got like the third brother's like this military amputee who's really dark and quiet. And I've read those books. Have you? <laughs> and you didn't know it was me? Oh my goodness. Yeah. Bookshelf. <laughs> that's oh fun explain this to me because i loved those it's a very, yeah it's a very popular series it was called my billionaire bat um bad boy series it was the billionaire bachelor the billionaire next door and the bastard billionaire and those yeah. were very very popular books so by the time you have those v- three very different characters the next thing i want to do is pair those men with a woman who's going to challenge him you know in in yeah. reese crane's um situation he runs a hotel business it's this very like shiny clean minimal lines and he's trying to take over a hotel that's this little boutique hotel that the heroine's family owns that she literally has like the emblems from the hotel tattooed on her body like this is her life and love and he's just this sort of i mean you're going right back to like you've got mail right you've got this cute little bookstore and this great big chain 
So um, by the time you put those two together and, and it's really just about watching them clash, you know, what are her values? Where is that going to run up against his values? Um, And one of the most beautiful things that I think came out of just writing and see where the characters went in that book was that Marina had agreed to this marriage for six months to get her family's hotel back. But then in the midst of being married to this very cold man, you know, she was really lonely and cried about it. And I was like, I felt like that was a really human way to be like, that's really lonely. She was living with her parents because her father was ill and you know, it was suddenly she was all alone in a marriage and she was really all alone yeah. in it. So, so I hope that answered your question. That was kind of the long Absolutely. way around. <laughs> no, I love it, I love it. Um, so how long does it take you to finish a book? Um, I write fairly fast. So um, usually I give myself about four or five weeks to do a first draft. Mm-hmm. I like to just really vomit it all out, <laughs> you know, just write yeah. it as quickly as possible. Yeah. It's going to be messy. It's not going to be perfect. Right. Um, I'd rather fix it in edits, you know, and have something to work with at the end of the day. So, so yeah, usually about a month. And then you give it to your editor. Is that right? Uh-huh. And then yep. If the book is, yep. If the book is contracted by um, a publisher, I turn the book into you know, the editor and she gives me a copy back with like the big changes. Like, you know, we don't, I don't like the ending or I feel like, you know, the dark moment of the soul didn't really ring true or, you know, something large that we didn't agree on ahead of time that she feels needs changed. And then I do, you know, depending on the publisher, you do another two edits and then turn it back in for, what's called copy editing. And that's all the little persnickety things like, you know, you don't know how to use a semicolon and <laughs> here's where you put a comma. Right. Yeah, yeah. That kind of stuff. So out of all of your book series, um, can you pick like the top three characters that you really, really love and that you oh, enjoy yeah. creating? Yeah. Um, that's so hard. Cause I have like 46 books, but um and I've, to be totally honest, um, I've loved all of them at, while writing them, but I think the ones that have stuck, stuck are, um, the billionaire next doors tag crane was my absolute. I loved him because he was a playboy ladies, man kind of personality mm-hmm. and the heroine mm-hmm. would not give him the time of day. And it just confounded him. <laughs> did not understand why nothing was working. Right. All of his usual tricks weren't working. And another one from my blue collar billionaire series, I wrote um, a hero named Benji and Benji works with um, Chris and Chris has a debilitating crush on Benji. And he literally, she's a 30 year old virgin because she's raised her brothers. So she's kind of put herself second her whole life and, in a conversation, this ends up coming out and she doesn't want it to come out. And Benji's just like, I'll take your virginity. Like he's taking her out to dinner. It's like such a casual, like, it's no big deal. It's just sex, blah, blah, blah. So I really loved writing that because it was such a fun, like fantasy level. And, and I have to pick a third. Oh my God. Um, 
I'm probably going to have to go with um, The Hero of Rescuing the Bad Boy, which is a book I wrote um, years ago about a, a man who um, inherited a mansion from his very abusive family after they were all gone and <laughs> comes home to this town that he used to live in that he hated living there because of his past but he left a woman behind and in that one he took her virginity but then he was really mean to her afterwards and left town for seven years but in seven years he's been celibate to punish himself (laughs) and I just loved it was just so much anguish and so much um he just hated himself for it and she hated him and so you get them back in the same the situation together where he's in this house he doesn't want to be stuck in and you know the the grandmother left a will behind and said you know that she's doing this charity in this house and it's he's bound by the will and they have to work together on this project and watching all of that unfold was just such an angsty dramatic yeah it was I mean, it also wasn't fun because that was the book I wrote before I was published. And I rewrote that thing like three times. So it was also kind of a nightmare. So I think it's probably one of my favorites because I just absolutely bled for it. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? Like I look at it and just like, oh, the weight of this book. No, I know. Um, So on your website, um, I don't know if you call them blog articles or just you know that you have articles um, yeah Mm -hmm. yeah, blogging and a podcast for people who would like to be a published author um have you had people take advantage of the advice you've been given and what's that feedback like um by take advantage you mean like they just have they used it yes yes um yeah like are you coaching them or it's not yet but it has crossed my mind to be Mm -hmm. honest I've thought about doing video courses or teaching Mm -hmm. it's um sometimes it's hard to imagine anybody would want that (laughs) so it's a lot to wrap my head around um also when I'm in the middle of like production land like I am now trying to get you know books released it's a bit of a time thing but I really love, love, love talking about the craft and sharing what I learned. Um, learning is one of my big things. I love to learn. I love to learn anything new. And um, this has definitely been, I think I would teach less about exactly what the craft is and more about where your mindset needs to be and how to really tap into your creativity and how to keep yourself going. When things get hard, you don't always feel like writing. Life isn't always perfect. I've been married 24 years. It's not always romantic. (laughs) I mean, it is, we have great times, but life is not a romance novel. So to be able to sit down and genuinely pour all this love into these people you're creating sometimes that takes a bit of, you know, a bit of work. So, so who were your mentors when you decided to follow this path? I read a, a few authors, a few Harlequin authors, actually one by the name of Heidi Betts, who 
she has this really cheeky, cute, like sharp way of writing. And I just loved her books. And I found every Harlequin book I could that she'd written. And she keeps a blog, still does. And she's on Twitter. And I started commenting on her blog and talking to her on Twitter. We got to chatting. We emailed a few times. And she knew that I was um, in the process of pursuing publication. I was new and didn't really know what I was doing. And she said, and I'll never forget this. She said, um, well, when you get published, tell me and I'll blurb your first book. And she did. And she was the first person to, I guess, legitimize what I was doing. Yeah. She didn't yeah. feel like, Oh, good luck. Well, that she was just like, well, let me know. And I'll blurb your book. Like, yeah, well, you'll get there. And she said, when you get published, when you I get published, get let me know. And I'll blurb your book. And it just meant the world to me because I was just lost. I didn't know what I was doing. And another author is, she's actually an Australian author by the name of Sarah Mayberry. Sarah Mayberry was also a Harlequin author who I adored and I followed on Twitter and she was so open and kind. I wrote her a very long gushy email about the book that I read and how much I loved it and how I was wanting to be an author. And some of the things she said in the book really helped me because I think in the book, it was like the woman was writing for a newspaper and she was trying to teach herself how to be better at the craft. And Sarah wrote me back and said, I didn't make her day. I made her whole week. And then she asked if I would mind if she sent me the transcript of a talk that she gave for some writer's conference. And I was like, oh my God, please. <laughs> and so she gave me that to like, you know, um, and I just, I just treasured it. Right. Like I think Heidi actually sent me something too. And it was so nice to have that support. So those are the first two people that come to mind whenever, whenever I think back to those really like fragile days of, can I do this or not? <laughs> so talking about when you got published mm -hmm. to start the process of finding a publisher to take on your books because I hear that's a really hard thing to do like there's yeah. more reactions uh, you know and yeah there was there was a lot of um uncertainty it's a little it feels a little different now I, I mean this was 2000 and you know 10 2011 where Yes, obviously we had the internet and stuff, but yeah. publishers um, by and large were not taking unsolicited manuscripts, meaning if you didn't have an agent, they weren't going to look at it. Um, Harlequin would take a manuscript without an agent. So I set my sights on Harlequin. I had read hundreds of Harlequin books by that point. And um, for the other publishers, I just literally went to my local bookstore and I went to the romance section and I read the names off the spines and I wrote them down and I went home and I did research, found out if they took unsolicited manuscripts, found out what their word count requirement was, you know, how to go about, you know, getting a book to them. Somehow, probably through Twitter, I found out about the Romance Writers Association and I joined that. And there was a local group that met about an hour from my house every, I think once a month on Saturday. And um, I started attending that and really it was through there where I met um, Melissa Landers, who's, she's now a young adult author, but at the time she had sold a young adult book and she had sold a romance series. Wow. Um, 
And it was Melissa who I talked to after a while. And I said, I've been sending books out, getting rejected. You know, I'd only, I'd only done a couple of queries to actual publishers, but I was like, I'm not sure what to do. And she said, honestly, if you went out of the slush pile, you're going to need an agent. I'd be happy to introduce you to mine. Um, I'll even help you write your query letter to the agent. And so again, I had this like hand up from someone who was willing to help me. And she read my query letter that I wrote and she gave me some pointers. And then she sent it to the woman who is now our agent and with an introduction, you know, or I sent it actually, I sent it and said, you know, you know, Melissa Landers recommended you blah, blah, blah. And then I sent my, um, sent my query in and that agent asked for an exclusive with it for two weeks and the two weeks came and went and I thought she didn't want it. So during that time, Harlequin got back with me that they wanted to see a full manuscript. And I asked my other friend from (laughs) the RWA, I was like, what do I do? And she said, email Nicole immediately and say, Harlequin is interested in my book were you still considering represent representing me? And boy, she was like, yep, (laughs) she was right on it. So, um, after that, we, we had within a few weeks, we had three offers, um, from three different publishers. And I attribute that success and not many rejection letters. Cause I really didn't get many. I got like maybe three to the fact that I didn't send out a hundred query letters. I didn't do it. I did Mm -hmm. For two and a half years, I wrote, I went to the RWA, I read, I worked on my craft, I started a blog so that I was writing every day or five times a week. Um, And I think that's why I knew when I took that book to that agent, it was the fifth book that I had written and I knew it was the right book. I just knew it. I was like, this is the book. This is good. The other ones were works in progress. This one has potential and that's the one we sold. So who bought it? Uh, Grand Central bought it, bought that series and they did that series and the bad boy series and the billionaire series. We talked about the hotel chain billionaires. Yeah. Yeah. So once you've completed a book or a series, how do you take time to relax and celebrate the fact that it's done? Oh man, I'm so bad at that. Um, that is celebrating and rewarding myself as something that I struggle with constantly. I think when I first, first got published, I was really good at it. Yeah. Midnight, the book would tip over from not for sale on Amazon to for sale on Amazon. I would stay up sometimes and have a glass of champagne like it was New Year's Eve on, on release day. Um, my husband and I would go to local bookstores and sign whatever they had on the shelf. So that was something that was definitely a big deal. Um, now it's just been such like, I don't know. It's like I finish one and I'm like onto the next, onto the next. So I have to really forcibly slow myself down yeah. because I think I'm just such an achiever and I enjoy it so much. And I want to tick it off the list that I don't take enough time to really go yeah, I wrote a book and that was a big deal, but my body always lets me know I wrote a book. As soon as I finish a book and it's in, I will inevitably just crash for like two days. I can't, I don't do any, I'm like, I can't think I can't, (laughs) I'm just so burnt out. It's such a, 
marathon, you know, it really is not that it's not enjoyable, but it really is, uh, really is a marathon. Absolutely. So, um, when I introduced you, you have all these books in different languages. How does a book get to that point, you know, where it's you're, you're, um, you know, across the globe, people are reading your book in yeah. different languages. And I mean, that's amazing and remarkable. Oh my gosh. Um, but like, how, how does it get to that point? Is that your agent marketing it or is it social media? Um, in my case, it is, there's kind of two different things that happened. Um, there was Harlequin is somebody I've published, um, 16 books with Harlequin and Harlequin, when they get the books published, it automatically goes through all of their other Harlequin channels. And so it goes to French, it goes to, you know, uh, Dutch. It gets, it's, I have, um, I have a manga, like a illustrated (laughs) of a couple in manga. Um, so yeah, it goes to all these different countries and all these different, um, translations And then I'll get, they'll mail me three of each copy or two of each copy, you know, in Italian or whatever else in Spanish. And I'm like, always look for the character names so I can figure out what book it is. (laughs) So um, that's sort of an automated thing with them. So Harlequin takes care of all of that. The only other time it has happened. um, So all of those 16 books are all in foreign um, in multiple countries. And the other time that it happened is um, a lot of my books have been adapted into gameplay in this app that's called Chapters Interactive, um, including the billionaires we talked about earlier. And that looks like sort of cartoon characters with talking heads and you get to pick your choices at certain parts of the story. So it'll be like, recess due to dinner. Would you like to go? And you have three different options, like say yes, say no. And some of those options cost diamonds within the game. So you have, you know, you have like a, a pay to play option, or you can do the free option. Um, but, but two or three of those got translated into several different languages, um, four, three or four different languages. And I get tagged a lot on Instagram from people that I have to hit the translation button to see what they're saying about the game that they played based on the book. So that's amazing. Yeah. It was was a really wild, um, and and it is, I mean, it's still, it's still around. Um, I think they have two of my books. They're going to be adapt two more that they're adapting, but yeah, it's, it's been a wild ride with that because it's just not where I pictured my work (laughs) when I wrote it, you know, I was just like, this is so wild. The world is crazy. Right. So that actually brings me to my next question, because I'm sure before COVID, did you like travel around to promote the books and do book signings or lectures? Did you do Uh, anything like that? Sometimes there are book conferences for, you know, romance readers and writers. And I went to um, usually I think I used to do like two a year and then I was whittled it down to just one a year. So it cut into that. I didn't go to the one a year that I went to, but I didn't really travel and do a book signing. Like, um, I never did anything like that. So usually that's something that's 
the bill is footed by the publisher for like a really big debut um, author or somebody that they're like trying to really get a big push for a certain book. So I never had that opportunity. I should say, yeah, I haven't had that opportunity yet. uh, I've spoken a few places, um, bookstore, library, but those were few and far in between. I don't, um, recently I've been looking into more speaking opportunities, but, um, in the past I didn't do all that much. I mostly just stayed home and, and wrote. <laughs> right. And so now after COVID, you, you just don't do that at all. Right. You don't. Um, yeah. I, I mean, I do, I've gone, I've, I've just gave a talk at a library. I've got another one booked for May. Um, I didn't do the conference this year. It actually sold out. I go to Lori Foster's um, R-A-G-T, reader, author, get together every year. I've done that for, I don't even know, um, probably ten, all 10 years. And um, so this year I, I missed out on it and, and got on the waiting list for next year. So we'll see, but it's local. It's really easy to go to. It's like an hour away. Yeah. Um, and I was talking to um, someone via my agent about speaking at a conference it's about an hour away i'm not sure if anything is going to come of that but sometimes they're looking for speakers uh for writing conferences so i was intrigued by it you know yeah. do you bring your books with you so they- yeah i have if if the venue allows it if you're allowed to sell books there um i do i just pack them up and take copies to sell so that's amazing so uh, what kind of advice would you give to someone who wants to be a writer? Um, this is going to sound really cheeky, but it's sincere. Uh, right. <laughs> yeah. Right. A lot of times when I talk to people who say, um, I've always wanted to write a book. That's usually what it starts at. I've, I've always wanted to write a book. And the other most popular thing I hear is I have this idea for a book. And then they launch into this. This is what I want to write. And I was like, well, have you written it down? And nine times out of 10, it's no, I don't even know where to start. I'm like, well, nobody knows where to start. Right. Like it's not even how your brain works. Like you'll, you'll have an idea and that idea will loop and loop and loop. And then when you write it down, your brain will come up with a follow-up idea, but until it's out, you don't really know where it's going. Like a lot of the stories we talked about tonight, I didn't know where it was going when I started it. Right. Like, um, so you, I think you have to. Um, Stephen King wrote a book on, on the craft of writing called on writing. And he said, uh, writers read a lot and write a lot. And I, that's why I started a blog before I was published, because I thought, well, if I'm going to get any good and develop my writer's voice, then I need to write a lot. So that's what I did. And I wrote, all I did was detail my journey, you know, from, from the start of trying to get published to the point that I got published on this blog. That's all I talked about. Sometimes it was random, you know, what show I'm watching that made me think of an idea for a book or, or some writing tip or just a confession of how I was just completely in the weeds and didn't know what I was doing, you know, cause that happens a lot too. Oh, we write in a vacuum. So we feel like we need a place to share those ideas and you know, now it's social media. Now you can just share it on Instagram. It's no problem. So I, you brought up something I wanted to ask you earlier. When you're writing, do you edit as you go or do you finish it and then go back and reread your work? Um, I've done both. I, 
what I like to do is hit my word count for the day and whether it's 2000 or 3000 words or whatever it is, hit that word count and just be done with it. Mm-hmm. And then the next day I'll sit back down and I'll go back two or three pages just to warm up, fix a few things here and there, rephrase a few things. And then that gets me started for the next two to 3000 jaunt that I'm going to do. Okay. That's typically how I do it. I don't go back and read everything I wrote the day prior. Cause it's probably like 10 or 12 pages and that's exhausting. <laughs> Yeah. And then I'll do a big read through at the end. Once it's all done, then I go back to the beginning and read through it if I can. Do you have a page limit? Can you do three to 400 pages? Um, can you go over four or 500? Like every, I don't well, every publisher, and if it's self-published, you're kind of, you can do whatever you want, but um, every publisher I've worked for has a certain page requirement. Um and more, more accurately, a word requirement. So like, um, man candy is, let's see how many pages is in this paperback. Man candy is about 65,000 words. And that yields about 245 pages in a trade back paperback. Okay. So, um, a book like the billionaire bachelor was, uh, 85,000, I think 90,000. And that's more like we're pushing 360, 400 pages in that book. So, um, Harlequins are short, shorter. There are 50,000 words. So it's like 170, 190 pages in those. Um, so yeah, it's, uh, takes a bit of skill to write in all those different ways. So if I wrote a Harlequin book that, you know, you can't be, you can't linger a whole lot. You got to get the action moving, got the conflict on the page. You know, these, these two people have to meet and fall in love and break up and end up together in 50,000 words. 50,000 words. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I've also done a um, full length romance at 30,000 words. I've written two of those. And one of them I actually wrote for um, James Patterson. It was commissioned by James Patterson for this new line that he wanted And, um, yeah, writing a full love story in 30,000 words was challenging, Yeah, (laughs) but the only thing I knew to do and what worked out the best was that you have the two characters on the page. They already know each other. You can't, you almost can't start, not that you can't, but I thought it would be more challenging to start with two strangers than two people who had a history, knew each other, and you could kind of jump in the middle of the action with all this familiarity right away. So Oh my gosh. That's amazing. James Patterson. Oh yeah. It was the wildest thing. Wendy. I'm telling you, it was the weirdest. I like had, this is no lie. A couple nights prior to my agent calling me about this, I had woken up in the middle of the night and with an, with not an idea about conversation and this guy and this girl were having this conversation and it was so detailed that I was like, if I don't get up and write this down, it is going to be gone. So at three in the morning, I climbed out of bed. I put on my glasses. I went to my laptop and I wrote like 900 words of, I don't even know what, just everything that was in my head, I dumped onto that computer. And a couple of days later, I got a call from my agent and she said, so James Patterson's doing this short romance books. He's, you know, commissioning this work from romance authors. Do you have anything at all? (laughs) And I said, I do. 
I have something. And from there, we sort of developed the idea that we pitched to James Patterson's editor who was working on this project and he loved it. Um, he thought it was great. So oh, my gosh. Yeah, it was just the most random thing. That's so that's why I'm like, if you have an idea, just write it down. Write, write it down. Absolutely. Put that energy out there. You don't know what's going to come back, right? Right. Um, Jessica, I'm so grateful that you took this time to share with me. You're absolutely lovely, and I love your oh, books. Thank you. Um, and I just wish you continued success. I can't thank wait to you know read some of the other books in this uh, five-part five book series and um yeah I am like my day is made oh <laughs> you're so sweet well me too I mean I love just thanks for thanks for asking to interview me I I really do as you can probably tell love to talk about <laughs> this business and what I do and the just making stories you know yeah. I tell people I get to make up stuff for a living so that's pretty good it's a pretty good gig <laughs> <laughs> that's right absolutely um, so thank you again. I hope you have a lovely night, Jessica. And I'm smiling ear to ear. I can't uh, wait. I'm still <laughs> at my Donkey Air Club um, yeah. books now. I just can't believe that was you. I was so <laughs> That's so great. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. I really thank appreciate you. it. Thank you. Trying to. <laughs>